Well, I appreciate several of you being patient with these Sundays. We're trying to really be family-oriented and uh, trying to reach out to families. They've really been cloistered away for a year, and uh, this is a great opportunity for us to be reunited, and and I was so glad the way Tammy uh, opened it today by saying it's good to be together. I remember last year just having that video camera in front of me, and I'm like, this is not Easter. <laughs> and I'm sure you felt that way when you're watching it virtually that way. It's just, uh, this is so, so nice being together. And so I'm going to open in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you again for this opportunity now to look into your word. We thank you for the, your love that you poured out on us. Uh, Jesus, we recognize you are the resurrected king and uh, king of all things, uh, as we heard from uh, John and Barb. And, and uh, we thank you, Lord, that we can recognize that. And uh, we want to glorify your name. And we want to shine that light that you have put inside of us, uh, that light of Christ, uh, to a dark world. And so we just pray that you would speak to us through this message. In Jesus' name, amen. It was great uh, hearing Olivia and Eli read the account of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate that uh, so much. Um, I, I think over the years we've done a good job at recounting uh, how, how blessed we are and, uh, and recounting the story of uh, the resurrection. But I think one thing maybe we haven't uh, done as good a job as um, as a uh, as a church and maybe a church across the United States is figuring out how the resurrection affects us personally and and what it means to the believer. And uh, what I want to communicate this morning is that this that cool, dark time of our souls that we've experienced because of sin's power is now vanquished by Jesus' resurrected light. Let me say that again. The cool, dark time our souls have experienced because of sin's power is now vanquished by Jesus' resurrected life. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote to the church in Corinth, he was challenging some false teachers there. And, and today I want us to look at, we're going to look at Second um, Corinthians here in a moment, um, because I want us to really understand what the resurrection means for us today. Uh, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote to the church in Corinth, he was challenging some false teachers and some false things that they were communicating. And the two uh, predominant ways the false teachers were damaging that church was first of all they were preaching a gospel that included works and forcing the people almost that they had to earn their way into the kingdom which is impossible but they had them and they were looking at some of the old Jewish traditions and and uh, elements of Judaism and they were challenging that way secondly and this is the one we don't look at as as often but there's a lot of damage done by preaching a gospel that lacks power. A gospel that promotes uh, the religious tenets, but does little to change behavior or passion and power to do God's will. 
We want to be transformed. We want to be different. We want to be empowered by God, not just go and show up and hear a message and go home. When Jesus rose from the dead, it was by the power of the Holy Spirit. He defeated death. He overcame sin's power. He met the requirements of the law, putting it to death. I love, uh, often we'll play a, a video of, of Dr. S.M. Uh, Lockridge here uh, about the resurrection uh, of our Lord and about Jesus Christ himself as king. And in just a portion of that, I'll read just a couple sentences from Lockhart. Quote, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Jesus is unstoppable. Amen. Unquote. And now we his disciples have a mission and that, uh, that is from God and that is to shine that resurrection light in the darkness. I came across this portion of scripture when I was having uh, my quiet time and it was like the Lord said, this is the Easter message. God always glorifies himself in some of the most profound ways, doesn't he? Um, he, he often uses the weak to display his strength. Um, he uh, will use the poor to reveal his wishes, his, excuse me, his riches. Can't speak this morning. Um, he also uses unlikely candidates. As I look around this room and I look in the mirror, <laughs> I see unlikely candidates to do such a great um, mission. And this is uh, the mission we find in 2 Corinthians. If you will turn to 2 Corinthians, starting in chapter 4, verse 6, God states, Let light shine out of darkness. Let me back up there. Let light shine out of darkness. That same God said that made that light shine in darkness also revealed that light in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Let me read that again. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That's a beautiful statement. The same God who in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3 said, let there be light. And there was light. That same God, that same God spoke light into existence uh, at the beginning in the creation of earth and all the surrounding universe was affected by it. Also spoke light into the human heart. And he did it through the face of his son. And so uh, just as God spoke light into existence or the black drop or the backdrop of darkness, he also enables his light to invade our hearts and play those of us who have placed our faith in his son. And so what does the resurrection mean to us? Well, God has a mission. And so if God has a mission, guess what? We have a mission. <laughs> and so number one, we have a mission, and that is 
Let light shine out of darkness. Let light shine out of darkness. Men and women, when I look around this world, there's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of distractions and, uh, and a lot of things being promoted that ought not be promoted. But God says, in spite of all that, let light shine out of darkness. And uh, that verse in verse 6 there. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. So how do we fulfill God's mission, weak and sinful as we are? Well, it all started with the death and resurrection of our Lord. Once we accept what Jesus has done for us, and once we acknowledge that it is him and not us that do anything good, we are at the beginning of this wonderful endeavor. Men and women of God, we are surrounded by darkness, but we have the light of Christ inside of us because of his death and resurrection. And it starts by recognizing who we are and who we have inside of us. And that's kind of an irony of sorts, if you think about it, that God would charge us with such great a mission that we would go out into this dark world and we would change it somehow. Measly old us. It's a great mission, though. Let light shine out of darkness. Another great irony is that we have a treasure inside of us. We have this treasure. Look at verse 7, Colossians chapter 2. Excuse me, Colossians 2 Corinthians, not Colossians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. You know that phrase, jars of clay, is a reference to our bodies. I really wish there was a better analogy for us. <laughs> Do we look like jugs of clay? You know, we're formed out of dust of the earth. There's nothing really inherently great about us. We are humble beings. We are clay. We are feeble. But once we invite Jesus to be the Lord of our lives, once we recognize his saving grace and place our faith in what he's accomplished through his death and resurrection, these simple jars of clay become home to this surpassing power from God. Isn't that amazing? Inside of you, you have all-surpassing power from God. And why would God do this? Because he takes that which is weak and he displays his strength. Therefore, here's what happens as a result of the power of Christ. This is what the, what the believer should expect. That he, he has given us this power. He's given us this light for a reason. We can use it now. Because we go through difficult times, don't we? We go through challenging times. We are hard-pressed, Scripture says, on every side. We are crushed, excuse me, but we are not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And so we can expect these things to happen. Let's just recount those real, real quick. This means, first of all, that we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. You ever feel that way? Something's coming from every direction. 
There will be times in your life when it seems like everything is okay. You're like making progress and you think, oh, life's actually pretty good. And no sooner do you say that or think that, that something happens. And then something else happens. And then something else happens. And you're like, Lord, it was okay when it was just this thing I had to handle. But now I have this and this and that. Well, despite anything, the Lord knows that. And you will not be crushed. Even though you're pressed on every side. Sometimes we're confused. But guess what? We never have to despair. There will be times when you not only feel like your your prayers are not being answered, but the opposite is happening. Why is the opposite happening? But still, in Christ, you will not despair. Why? Because God has a plan, and that plan is always good. Thirdly, we're persecuted, but we're not alone. We're not abandoned. Remember what Jesus said in John 15, verses 18 and 19? He said, if the world hates you, Guess what? Keep this in mind. It, it hated me first. If you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. I guess some would say in a nutshell, get used to it. The world's going to hate you. And the world is. If you take the position that we do, that Scripture is God's Word, and you walk out of this these doors this morning and you take that message into the world, you're going to be hated for what you believe. On your worst days of persecution, and you will be persecuted, remember you're not alone. You're not alone. The resurrected Jesus is with you. He's in that prison cell with you. He's at that table with those relatives who don't really care about your God or his word. But we need to shine for Christ, be understanding that we're persecuted, but Jesus is right there with us. Sometimes we are struck down, but we're never going to be destroyed, not as long as Christ is there to hold us up. The day will come when either life's greatest blow will hit you or Satan will have a field day with you. On that day, remember this, you are a child of God and nothing or no one can destroy you. The grave could not hold Jesus, and you have the power of Christ inside of you. Fourthly, because of the resurrection, we will overcome. We will overcome. How are we going to overcome, though? By remembering Jesus defeated sin's power and death. Look at verses 10 and 11. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Verse 11, for we know, excuse me, for we who are alive are always being given over to to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. The believer should expect difficult days. But with the understanding that Jesus already defeated death, And because of that, fear of death is gone. There's a a saying that they carried around often, and many, many of the Christians would share this with one another. And it was a testimony of their lack of fear. They were being persecuted in that first church. But they understood this. They could have a conversation with death. 
And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 55 through 58, we find that. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Is that all you have? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. We understand that. But thanks be to God, He has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, the Apostle Paul says, My dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. I love this. Men and women of God, remember this. Jesus took the sting out of death, and we can look forward to death now. The Apostle Paul isn't afraid. He, he and his colleagues faced death. They, they faced harm from every direction, if you re, recall. Paul is basically saying, I don't mind if death is trying to work overtime on us as long as we are experiencing new life in Christ. How else will we overcome? We'll overcome by faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 tells us that faith is believing in something that's true even if you can't see it. Verse 13 in our text today says, It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. You have to understand, he's saying, what I am saying is a result of what I believe. With the same spirit of faith, we also believe, and therefore what? Speak. So Paul is basically saying here, and that we understand from God's word, what you believe in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. If you genuinely believe it, you're going to say something. You believe, that's why you speak. I hear so many Christians uh, say, and they've said this to me, Pastor, I wish I was bolder. And I, my question back to them is, where's your level of faith? Like, where, where are you? What do you actually believe? Because if you doubt, you're not going to say very much. But if you firmly believe something, you're going to communicate it, Right? If, if, if there was an elevator there and you knew that elevator was out of order because the cable was broke and that thing's going to descend like 19 floors and it's going to kill somebody and there's a do not uh, use sign on it and you understand and someone says, hey, would you stand there and just stop people? And some people, you know, they go up and the door, they press the button door and you want to say something, you're like, who am I to, to tell them that they're wrong for getting on the elevator? Who am I? They're going to think I'm better than them or, or what? No, you're not going to do that. You're going to do everything to keep them from getting on the elevator because you believe that and it's part of your belief system. And I think the believers need to be that way today. If you, if you firmly believe, don't just say this is God's word, but if you understand this to be the word of God, you need to communicate it to others. That's our mission, right? To let light shine in the darkness. And faith enables you to overcome. Thirdly, uh, we need to do it by hope. If, if faith is believing in something you cannot see, then hope is believing in something that will come to pass. Let me say that again. Hope is believing in something that will come to pass. Look at verse 14. Because we know that the one who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you 
in His presence. So the Apostle Paul is saying this to the brothers and sisters that are in Corinth. He's saying, you know, Jesus who was raised from the dead will also raise us with, that same God is going to raise us with Jesus and you. We're all going to be together and we're going to be in His presence. How can we overcome when everything seems to be working against us? Well, we know the end of the story and we will overcome by God's grace. Because of the resurrection, Jesus is the first to lead the victory prayed for the living. I shared this the other night at our uh, Monday, Thursday um, gathering. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. It's a wonderful, triumphant uh, portion of Scripture. When you were dead in your sins, in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This is the hope that we have. This isn't pie-in-the-sky hope, but knowing that the Lord is going to return and He's going to lead that final victory parade. And that, that, that victory is not for us. Oh, we, we enjoy it. But the center of that victory is going to be Jesus Christ Himself. We are but simply... Jars of clay. But let me tell you something about this jar of clay. This jar of clay contains a treasure. And that treasure is God's all-surpassing power. Isn't that great? We have the resurrecting, the resurrected power inside of us. And I'm all finished. If, if we truly understand that Jesus defeated sin and death, if we have true faith in Him, if we're convinced of this blessed hope, then Jesus will return to take us home. If we truly understand we have God's all-surpassing power within us, then we're going to experience some results. And what will those results be? Let's go ahead and just finishing up today. Verse 15. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people will cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. We let the resurrecting life of Jesus Christ shine through us. Guess what will happen? More and more people will be reached for God's glory. More and more people will be reached for God's glory. Verse 16 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So what does that mean? We are becoming stronger spiritually as we become weaker physically. And don't, I don't know about you, but I feel that more and more each day um, as I get older. Yes, I'm becoming weaker physically, but boy, my strength in the Lord is growing. And that's how it ought to be the older you get uh, as a believer the stronger your faith. I know some of you might take exception to this to this verse, 
because you think what you're going through is the most difficult thing that anyone could go through. And, it re- and the Apostle Paul refers to it as our light and momentary troubles. But he's looking at it, how? In light of eternity, our time with the Lord. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so what does that mean? The difficulty that we are going through will pale in comparison to the to life with Christ in eternity. You know, this life is but a blink. I remember Gary Schoen, a, a former elder, head elder we had here for years uh, at Oak Hill, he used to remind me when I was going through a difficult time, he would say, hey, Dan, in Christ, this too shall pass. I would think that this thing's never going to be over. This is This is going to be so hard. And he would say, oh, Dan, in Christ, this too shall pass. And, uh, and he was right. And we get through that. But what we really need to look at is in light of eternity. Because if we're going to spend eternity with Christ, what we go through right now isn't as bad as we think it is. Finally, we will recognize um, that reality is often unseen. And what we see is only temporal. It's interesting, you turn on television, you look around, you hear all this stuff, you would think that that's reality, that's not reality. It's interesting that reality really is unseen, not seen. Look at verse 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, hmm, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That's reality. And so the wonderful news of our Lord's resurrection is that the dark time of our souls that we experience because of sin's power is now vanquished because of Jesus' resurrected light. And this morning, you might be sitting here or somebody might be listening uh, to this sermon online and you might be saying to yourself, I don't have that kind of power. I don't have that kind of power, let alone shining that light in the darkness. I don't know how I would do that. Here's the amazing truth of the gospel. Today, Jesus makes salvation available to anyone who asks. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to be a member here at Oak Hill. But it does require for you to simply place your faith and your trust and what Jesus has accomplished for you on the cross. He died for your sins and my sins. Tell Jesus right now that you admit that you're a sinner. Tell him that you believe he died for your sins. Give him your life today. Tell Jesus, take my life and make it into what you want it to be. I am yours. And you know what will happen if you do that? If you place your faith in Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross and what he accomplished by his resurrection, God will respond, forgiving you all your sins, past, present, future. And he will instill in you a treasure, and that is his all-surpassing power by the Holy Spirit. Let's just, let's just take a moment and, uh, and go before the Lord in prayer. If you just would bow your heads, close your eyes for a moment.
Let's just, if, you, if you've never accepted what Jesus has done for you on the cross, would you just, um, in your heart, if you believe that today, that he died for your sins and he rose from the dead, uh, would you pray along with me? And if you're listening online, would you just uh, pause for a moment and, and pray to the Lord? Lord, forgive me. I accept what you have done, what you have accomplished by dying on the cross and, and taking the penalty for me. Thank you. I believe in you. Lord, I need you to fill me with your power to overcome my sins and my fears. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If we would just keep our eyes closed and heads down for a moment. If you prayed that this morning, can I see your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for these who have raised their hands this morning and all of us, Lord, who have placed our faith in you. Our trust is in you. Lord, help us to live out the mission that you've given us to be light, resurrected light in this dark world and to carry this message. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.